0: Just so good hey uh, hey good morning and I want to welcome you to Genesis Church. Uh, my name is Paul Mumon I'm the lead pastor here and uh, whether you call Genesis Church uh, your church or not we want to thank you and uh, for coming out and celebrating the resurrection of our Savior uh, Jesus Christ with us today you know I, I love that video uh, and I love that video because it reminds me of how much I love you and I love this church and I love what God is doing in you and in us. Uh, and through us as a church and the opportunity uh, that we have this ongoing opportunity to make a real significant difference uh, for Jesus Christ right here in this community. Um, If you're new to all of this, or if you're new to something like Genesis, um, we want you to know right away that no one here is perfect. Uh, In fact, if you're perfect, you're not welcome here because none of us is. Uh, We don't have the perfection thing down, but what we do have is this, Uh, we have hope. And we've got faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, We believe that he died on the cross. And like the song that we sang just a moment ago, that he paid the price uh, of sin with his life. And this morning, uh, we're celebrating the fact that the tomb is empty, that Jesus rose from the dead, and that truth changes everything. I mean, it changes everything. It changes all perspective. It shapes our perspective. And, and I want you to know that if you don't know the power of that truth, if you've never experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ uh, for your life, it can change everything for you and maybe for some of you uh, starting right here today. Uh, We've been in a teaching series here at Genesis called The Chosen One. Uh, The title comes right right out of Isaiah chapter 42 where God spoke through the prophet Isaiah saying, and we've got the words here on the screen, why don't you read them? Let's read them aloud together. Here's what he says. He says, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. You know, what we find is that uh, Uh, That Jesus Christ indeed is the chosen one, that he was sent uh, by God to come into this world to bring justice, uh, to bring salvation. Uh, And what we've been doing the last few weeks is we've been looking at a series of statements that Jesus made about himself while he was alive and walking on the earth. And what we find is that in these statements uh, that each of us help us understand a little bit more about the chosen one, uh, what he came to do, and how you and I can relate to him. And so today, we're looking at a statement of Jesus uh, that comes right out of the Gospel of John. Uh, It's in your notes, uh, if you wanna follow along in your notes, uh, in John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, Jesus spoke these words and said this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then Jesus asks this question, he says, do you believe this? And, you know, I want to just ask the same question of you today. Do you believe this? And do you believe this truth for your life? I mean, is your life different today because of what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross for you? I mean, he died for you. He, he, he took the punishment for you. He took the punishment for me, and he, he, he dealt with it uh, once and for all. And so do you believe that? I mean, can you celebrate that truth in your life today? Yeah. Or is there something, you know, maybe for some, is there something uh, for some of you that would prevent you? Uh, from believing that today, standing in the way of celebrating this truth in your life today. Jesus said, he said, I am the resurrection and and the life. And what a lot of people don't understand or we forget is that he said these words in the context of a broader story about another guy who had died, a guy by the name of Lazarus. And so what I want to do is spend some time with you this morning looking at this story of Jesus and Lazarus. And then what I want to do is I want to look at three ways that you and I, that we die on the inside three dead ends that we sometimes run into in our life, three dead ends that keep us from believing, keep us from celebrating the truth and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what I wanna see and what I'm praying and what I believe that the Lord can do today is that he can help us to see that the resurrection of Jesus even today can bring us to life, and he can do that starting with some of you. Uh, right here this morning, and so uh, we're going to be in our Bibles. Uh, if you have a Bible with you, uh, go to the Book of John, John chapter eleven. Uh, if you use something like a U version Bible app on your phone, uh, you've got permission to go there. We also have some Bibles at each of the uh, the end of each of the rows. Uh, you're welcome to pick that up or to pass that down to somebody else. They look like this. Uh, this is a gift to you if you don't have one. Uh, We love to give Bibles away. If you don't have a Bible, if you want to take this one with you today, you're welcome to do that. If you find that your neighbor's got a better-looking Bible than that one, and you can kind of slip it away from them when they're not looking, just go ahead and do that too. And you can take that on your own, even if it's got a different name on it. Uh, But John chapter 11... Uh, starting in verse 1, looking at this story together. We're going to read some of this story. We're going to jump over big portions of the story, and I'll try and fill in some of the blanks, but uh, bear with me. John chapter 11, verse 1, here's how it goes. It starts out that now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Now skip over, if you would, to verse 3. It says, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, that is Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus They said, the Lord, the one you love is sick. Now we don't know for sure, but we know that Jesus was away at another location apart from this family and Mary and Martha, they get word to Jesus, whether by text or messenger or whatever that is, they get these words to Jesus that the one he loves, this friend of theirs, of all of them, the brother to Mary and Martha, Lazarus is sick and it's serious. I mean, if you know this story at all, you know that it's serious, it's bad news and you know, in the same way, uh, most of us, at some point in our life, uh, we've endured, we've encountered some bad news like this, right? I mean, you've been on the receiving end of bad news, whether that be a call in the night or a message from a friend or uh, someone shows up at your door and they've got news that, are go- that it's going to change things uh, for you forever. I mean, we've all been there. Uh, we've all endured that kind of news and the truth is that some of you even right now even here today i mean you're you you know this sort of bad news and you're hurting and maybe in different ways i mean you're living through some challenging times or uh, maybe you've received news that someone you love is very sick or uh, you got notice that your job is being eliminated or transferred maybe maybe your marriage uh, is going isn't going as planned or you recently discovered Uh, That your teen or your college age student is involved in some things that you weren't aware of. Uh, Jesus gets this news that his friend is sick. And from here, Jesus says something that is pretty fascinating. It's pretty amazing. Look at verse 4. It says, When he heard this, Jesus replied, This sickness will not end in death. No, he says, It is for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, don't miss what Jesus says here. See this bad news? These circumstances that we've all experienced that we would never wish on anyone, notice Jesus reminds us that God is not going to waste it. He's not going to waste these things. And He reminds us that in all things, God's ways are always greater than our ways, that He is always at work and according to His timing, and there is nothing at all in this world. There is no circumstance that is ever too great for Him. Now, Here's where we're going to take a big jump. Let me just kind of summarize for you what's going to happen over these next 9 to 10 verses. But I want to tell you that you should read them for yourself. This is a great story, a great chapter in Scripture. And so you should pick it up and read it for yourself. But again, let me summarize it for you. Again, Jesus gets this word that Lazarus is sick. He's away from the family. And everybody that's with Jesus believes that he's going to respond immediately and return to their location. But do you know what Jesus does when he gets this news? Nothing. He doesn't do anything. I mean, the Bible says that for two days he stays where he was. He doesn't do anything. He just stays where he is. And after two days pass, Jesus says to his disciples, hey, let's go back to Judea. Let's go back to this area where Lazarus and Mary and Martha live." But if you read the account, you'll see that the disciples didn't want Jesus to go back. I mean, they know that Jesus is a wanted man and that there's a contract out on his life. But Jesus won't have any part of the hiding. I mean, the chosen one was sent by God to give his life. And so in verse 11, Jesus said to his disciples, Lazarus has fallen asleep, and we need to go wake him up. Now, Jesus knew that Lazarus wasn't taking a nap, all right? This isn't like the Uncle Bill that we all have, you know, that maybe you're going to see today at Grandma's house or whatever. Doesn't everybody have an Uncle Bill? We all have an Uncle Bill, right? You know, that's just going to fall asleep early on in the family gathering and sleep through most of it. Jesus knows that's not the case here. Lazarus isn't asleep, but instead it's a metaphor. Lazarus is dead. But after two days of waiting, Jesus is ready to return to Bethany because he's about to do something spectacular. Now, here's what I want you to see. And I don't want to spoil the story for you, but I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to tell you how the story ends. If you don't know the story, Lazarus is dead in the tomb, but he's going to walk out of the tomb. Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But here's what's so interesting about this story. This resurrection isn't just for Lazarus. I mean, does Jesus love Lazarus? Yeah, you do. Yeah, he does. I mean, he's he's a close friend. I mean, does does he want to spend more time with Lazarus? Maybe. But here's the thing. Whenever we see Jesus uh, uh, heal someone or raise someone from the dead in Scripture, the sick person is not the primary beneficiary or the only beneficiary. No, instead, Jesus always performs a miracle like this one to make a greater point. He wants to impact many people. He's moving people in, in a particular direction. He wants to encourage their faith. And most importantly, he wants to bring glory to his Father who is in heaven. See, who's this miracle for? Well, first and foremost, it's for his Father in heaven. But it's also for the people around Jesus, people like Mary and Martha and the disciples and others. But do you know who else? Do you know who else this miracle's for? Maybe for you too. Maybe Jesus had in mind for you to hear this story today, to hear this miracle, and to see the possibilities of what God can and is able to do, and maybe wants to do in your own life. Because he, here, here's what I've been praying and what I'm praying that you will see today and believe today. See, there are at least three people in this story who are going to be changed forever. Three people who had hit a dead end in their life and in their faith, and they were dying in, in different ways on the inside. But what I'm praying for you this morning is that you will see that what Jesus did for them, he can do it in your life too. He can change your life forever too. So let's look at the first person in this narrative this first person who had hit a dead end in their life. Pick it up in John 11, uh, the second half of verse 15, right towards the end of verse 15. Uh, They're still away, all right? They're ready to make this trip back to Judea. And Jesus says to his disciples, he says, let us us go to him, all right? Let's go, let's make this journey. And then in verse 16, it says, then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. You kind of have to hear a little bit of, uh, his emotion in those words, we find the first person who would hit a dead end in their life is a guy by the name of Thomas. I mean, he's hit a dead end with his doubts. and But the thing is that you already knew that. I mean, even if you don't go to church, I mean, you look at somebody like Don, Thomas, you know that Thomas is what? He's the doubter, right? I mean, we all know Thomas. We all know him as Doubting Thomas. I mean, you you could say that he had a very unfortunate nickname. You got anybody in your life that has an unfortunate nickname? Uh, maybe somebody in your home, maybe well, maybe you have an unfortunate nickname there's always a story behind one of those unfortunate nicknames I have one of those uh, when I was in high school Uh, When I was a sophomore in high school, uh, my guidance counselor recognized that I, I needed to get a history class, and for whatever reason, my schedule didn't allow for a sophomore level history class, and so he recommended, he scheduled me to take a junior level history class, and to that, you know, hopefully it would work out well for me, but here's the thing. See, I was just a little twerp dweeb of sorts in high school and I mean and the juniors were giants all right I mean they they were just so large and so intimidating and so here I am day one of this history class walking in as this little dweeb amongst all these giants and wouldn't you know it the biggest punk in the class of all of them decided on that very day that my new name for the rest of the year my nickname was Wanda that's it No reason, no story behind it, anything else. He just decided on that very day that my nickname from that day forward was Wanda. And so that's what everyone in that class called me for the rest of the year. And there was nothing I could do about it, nothing at all. It was my unfortunate nickname. And I hesitated sharing that story with you today. (laughs) Because I know that the new game, the new fun, is for everyone going to be to call me Wanda. But I have had years and years of counseling to get by (laughs) that moment. So please don't put me back in that place and and just kind of of let it go. But Thomas had an unfortunate nickname. What was he known for? He was known for his doubts. And and he struggled here. And his, well, we all know that his most famous doubts came later on after the resurrection of Jesus. But you know what? I got to tell you, I think that Thomas gets a bad rap. And here's why. I just think that Thomas is one of those guys that is willing to say what everyone else is already thinking. I mean, because if I'm honest, I've got some Thomas in me too. I mean, don't we all? I mean, I, mean, I wonder how many of you come in here even today, and, and you can't celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, be, or at least fully, because you've got, you've got a lot of questions. You've got some doubts. And, and if you're like Thomas, then you know that maybe your dead end is that you're dead in your doubts right now. I mean, it's the one thing that's keeping you from moving any further. And think about it. I mean, have you ever, have you ever had any spiritual doubts? Um, if you'd say no, I'd say you're lying, and I need to remind you that you can't lie in church. You shouldn't lie in church. We all had these doubts. I mean, I think every one of us at some point or another, we've prayed a prayer, and we've believed that God would come through in a certain way, and then he didn't. I mean, maybe for you, maybe you grew up in a church-going growing, family, or you grew up around church, and then you got hurt. Maybe dad left or cheated and walked out on you and your mom and you had to struggle from that point forward. Or maybe he or or someone else in your life, maybe they hurt you and hurt you repeatedly. Uh, Maybe your doubts come from the fact that you went off to college and everything that you knew or ever believed was put to the test when you ran into that one professor and he or she was just way too smart or way too cynical to believe anything that you had ever been taught. And so you walked away from that class and again, you doubted everything that you ever believed. Uh, Maybe for you, your doubts come out of a terrible experience that you endured. Maybe somebody that you loved, a very traumatic experience, and you know that whenever you face a crisis or something like that, you're bound to ask questions like, God, why did you allow this to happen? Or or, or if he's all-powerful, I mean, if God's all-powerful, if he's sovereign, then why didn't he stop something like this? I mean, whatever happened, whatever you experienced, I mean, you're realizing that you have a little more in common with Thomas than maybe you thought. You've hit a dead end in your life, too, and it has everything to do with your doubts the next person that we see in this story that had a dead end in their life was mary Uh, not the mother of jesus but mary the sister of martha in john 11 uh, 17 uh, let's pick it up there it says on his arrival uh, jesus found that lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days now that's an important detail that we'll come back to in just a second Verse 18 says, now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews who had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. Again, let's just stop right there. Who's this miracle for? Man, we see that it's for so many more people than just these few individuals. Now, here's what I want you to see. Verse 20, it says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Now, if you know anything about Mary and Martha, you probably remember a particular occasion when Jesus went to their house. And what did Mary do? She sat at the feet of Jesus the whole time he taught, the whole time he was teaching. But what's she doing here? Martha went out to greet Jesus, but John wants to make sure that we know and see and realize that Mary stayed home. What's up with Mary? I think she was dying on the inside. I think the the, the discouragement was way too much to bear. And and like Mary, I mean, we get discouraged too, don't we? I mean, life happens and we get discouraged. I mean, some of you are here today and that dead end for you is that you're dead right now in your discouragement. I mean, it is the one thing that is preventing you from really celebrating the resurrection of Jesus today. And, and like Mary, we, we, we look at the situation around us and we lose hope or we lose faith. And for Mary, it's almost as if she wasn't really ready to see Jesus. I mean, I wonder if she felt like that in some way he was the cause her discouragement see maybe that's where you are today you've hit a dead end wondering you know why celebrate what difference does it make i mean i'm still alone Um, i'm still depressed i'm still stuck in this particular job i uh, that i can't stand i've made a fool of myself and, and my reputation is gone i'm discouraged and so what's the point i can't change what happened what can jesus possibly do for me to here's what I think that we do, and we do this from time to time. I and mean, how many of us, I wonder how many of us will put a smile on our face today when on the inside we're barely holding it together. Hey, life's hard. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I want to make sure that you hear me say that, that you know, even as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus today, the truth is that life is hard. And I know that it might be hard for some of you in, in even greater ways. And, and Jesus said it would be. I mean, he said that we would experience difficulties, and one of the things that I've learned and one of the things that I've discovered is that following Jesus doesn't mean we get what we want. It doesn't mean I get what I want, and life doesn't always make sense. But here's why this story matters for Mary and why it can make all of the difference for you. I mean, at this point in the story, there is only one person in the world that can help Mary, and that person is Jesus Christ, And in your situation and in your life and when you're discouraged and when you're buried by despair or you're disappointed with yourself or disappointed in God, there is only one person that can help and it's God's chosen one. And his name is Jesus Christ and he was sent by God for you and for me. See, this church is full of people who have experienced the power and the love of Jesus Christ in their greatest discouragement, and I'm excited to share the story of one of those people from Genesis with you today. Check this out.
1: I was born in 1970 in the city of Chicago uh, to a teenage mom who uh, made the brave choice to uh, carry me to term and then give me up for adoption. My interest in history and and understanding what had gone on in the past, um, interest in science and and even science fiction, uh, kind of led me to, at some point, declare first to my friends and then to my family that I, I didn't believe in God anymore. I fell in real quickly with the wrong crowd. I started using drugs. Before I knew it, my parents had me in rehab at the age of 17. Kind of got my my uh, my stuff together and and was able to make another go at things. I went into college and uh, worked on my history degree. At that time, I met uh, the woman who would become my first wife, and uh, and we got married. We were classic soulmates. We had everything in common. We were best friends. Uh, we loved each other. That relationship was was hugely important to me. And we moved down here. Uh, I would say. In '96 uh, in it was, and um, one thing led to another. Eventually, we uh, she de- decided that uh, she was gay, and she told me this one day, and uh, I was devastated. This this was one of these upsetting the boat type of, of things that just shook uh, shook me to the core. So, in, in uh, kind of a real low point bout of depression, I. Um, decided that I was gonna I was gonna end it and I was gonna used to have a gun and um, I was gonna go and and get that gun and, and just be done. I just wanted to be done. There was nothing I was at a you know kind of a dead end, low paying job and there was really no there was no future. There's nothing to, to look forward to or, or live for. But for some reason I got down on my knees instead and I cried out to Jesus. Then in there, and uh, and as a, as, a, as intellectual as I am, I would love to say that you know I, I thought about it and I reasoned and I said, well no this this you know I was wrong and Jesus Jesus is the way and and and, and I this is I'm going to change my life now. No, it was it was something total totally I was uh, totally convinced that that there was no God, and at that moment, for some reason. Um, I called out to him, and I knew that he had saved me. You know, I'm, I was always a questioner, always a doubter, so I, I picked up the Bible myself and, and, um, and taught myself, learned as much as I could, read, and, um, and still to this day, um, he hasn't answered every question, but I know that unlike any other um, faith that, that Christianity is, is grounded in history it's grounded in the truth of what happened finding my way back to God was being found by him you know, in, the, in the mess I had made of my life he found me and um, restored me to himself called me to himself nothing, nothing that I did
0: those words, and he said, found by him, you know, in the mess of my life, when I hit that dead end and that wall of discouragement, who do you run into? Jesus is still there. He's still there, and he's always waiting. Let's keep going. Mary stayed at home. Uh, Martha went out to meet Jesus. Look what she said in John 11, verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Man, try and hear the desperation in her voice, if you will. I mean, if you had been here, you took too long. If you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Now, how long had Lazarus been in the tomb? Well, if you remember from the words we read just a moment ago, we see four days. Now, why does that matter? Well, there was a Jewish belief, uh, a legend of sorts, not biblical, but a belief at the time that if someone died, their spirit would remain close to the body for about three days. At four days, the spirit vanished. And that's an important detail because in Martha's mind, while Lazarus was mostly dead yesterday, he was now really, really dead uh, on the fourth day. In fact, if you read the King James Version uh, of this particular narrative, when Martha described Lazarus' condition to Jesus, she said, he stinketh, all right? I mean, those are the exact words that he stinketh, or he's stanky, all right? I mean, he, he's not in a good place. I mean, that's how dead he was, and because of that, You could just see the dead end for Martha. And what's that dead end for her? I think it had everything to do with Jesus, with God's delay. Like, where had you been? Why has this taken so long? I mean, it was God's timing that took all she had left. And then the questions again, why did you take so long? Why didn't Jesus come sooner? And those words, if only you had been here. And some of you can relate to a situation like that. And like Martha, you would say, you know what, I am dead in the delay right now. Where's God in all this? And, and maybe the day you find yourself here and you're confused by God's delay in your life, maybe you've been waiting and you've been praying for God to do something and he hasn't and you've been praying a prayer and it's still unanswered. What's that prayer for you? Uh, what's that cry for you? I mean, maybe your prayer, maybe your cry goes something like this, Lord, I'm tired of being single. I'm tired of waiting. Would you bring someone into my life? Uh, maybe your prayer sounds something like this, God, we trust you and we... We'd really love to have a baby. Or maybe you're praying, and and while you'd love to see your husband or your spouse come to Christ, you'd be real content for them to just come with you, you know, to just try it out, and maybe just to experience it. Or maybe you're agonizing and praying right now for a child to make better choices. Or you're praying for physical healing for someone in your life, someone that you love. Hey, get this. No doubt Martha is disappointed and discouraged. But even in the disappointment, I want you to see the faith in her at the very same time. Look at John eleven twenty two, and it's in your notes if you want to fill in these words. She says, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. See, here's what Martha knows and what I desperately want for you to know today. That if you've experienced frustration, if you've experienced pain in your life, if you're disappointed by what appears to be God's absence or, or, or lack of movement in your life, know this. Just because God hasn't doesn't mean he won't. Just because he hasn't doesn't mean that he won't. And again, the difficult truth is that following Jesus doesn't mean that you get what you want or that I get what I want. And while it's hard, I mean, it really shouldn't come as a surprise. I mean, Jesus told us. He said, in this world, you will have trouble and in other places in scripture we read about how we will share in the sufferings of our savior and never once did jesus promise us a pain-free or challenge-free life and so i'm not about to pretend that in any way i always understand or get that as a christian it doesn't always turn out the way that i would like but it doesn't mean that he doesn't love me and it doesn't mean that he doesn't care and and when he doesn't act according to what I want or what you want or in my timing or in your timing, it doesn't mean that he, that he doesn't love you or that he's abandoned you. There is only one thing that Jesus has ever abandoned, and it's the tomb. And that means that no matter what dead end you face in your life, we have this promise that he will never abandon He'll never leave us alone, and the truth is that that like Martha, some of you, again, might be here, and you might be facing some really challenging times and questions, but maybe the miracle that God is going to do in your life is to not get you out of where you are, but just to simply get you through, just to get you through, because, again, following Jesus doesn't mean you get what you want. I mean, Jim will tell you he didn't want a divorce. Uh, Martha will tell you she didn't want her brother to die, but here's what Jim saw in his story and what Mary and Martha are about to discover. Look again at what Jesus told Martha in John eleven twenty three. 23. He said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again. in the resurrection at the last day, I mean, she was saying the right things. I mean, she knew she was going to see him one day again in heaven. Yeah, I know, and that's important and all. But Jesus cut right in there and he said, no. He said to her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. See, here's what's fascinating about this. When Jesus said this, he hadn't resurrected anyone yet. He hadn't resurrected Lazarus yet. I mean, he says, I am the resurrection and the life, but nobody had come back from the dead yet. To me, it kind of reminds me of that situation we've all heard about it. I don't think any of us have seen it. Maybe some of us have seen it, but remember the Babe Ruth point to the stands the day that he called his shot? It's almost like that's what Jesus is doing here, you know, that he's ready to hit a home run. And we look at it, and you think it's a little cruel if he doesn't plan to back it up. But see, it's no boast here from Jesus. It's a promise that he is the resurrection and the life. And though we may not always get what we want in this life, he is faithful, and he is good, and he offers us eternal life. And just as important, he promises us his presence and his strength as we spend our days, as we live our lives here on this earth? What could it mean? And what could it mean for you in your life today, starting this morning to see the things the way that Martha was seeing them, to experience those things that Martha was hearing and Mary was hearing in those powerful words of truth from Jesus? And Martha's reply in that even now, Lord, she said, in that faith, even now, even, even though we're stuck in the middle of our pain, even with all we've been through, even now, God, I know and I have faith that you can do something so much more. And maybe that's the work that God wants to do in your life today. Because he is the resurrection and the life to give you the faith and the strength to pray and to believe that God, even now, even now with all the pain that I've endured, even now I believe that you can see me through. To pray, God, even now in my discouragement, I believe that your presence can help me, that you can help see me through. God, even now, even now in all of my doubts, that you can give me the faith to believe, to pray, God, even now when I feel alone, I believe that your presence can guide me and give me patience and give me peace. What would it look like for you to pray, God, even now I believe that you could reach into the chaos of my home or into my family and and you can help us find healing, or that, God, even now I pray that you can reach my husband or that you could reach my wife or my parents. God, even now I believe that you can meet our financial needs as a family. God, I, I, I pray that even now I believe you can give me hope uh, for my future. God, even now I believe that you can lead me through the conflict that I'm in. That God, even now you can quiet the voices of doubt inside my head. Or that God, even now you can help me overcome my insecurity. See, some of you walked in here dead today. But as Jesus did with Lazarus, others, and with my friend Jim. And with so many others in this room, Jesus can raise you from the dead, too, and he can bring you back to life. I mean, you may feel dead on the inside. You may feel like you are trapped in a tomb with no way out. But listen, you know, what Jesus did for Lazarus when he rolled the stone away, and God did the same with Jesus on Easter, he can do the same in your life, too. You know, before we end, can I tell you the greatest thing that he can do? He's done this for me. I mean, this is my story. You know, while following Jesus doesn't mean that I get what I want, it also means I don't get what I deserve. I mean, the reality is that my sin separated me from God. But when Jesus, the chosen one, took my sin and uh, went to the cross, he paid the price with his life. And, and so when I was 12 years old, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. Uh, I was baptized, and I made the decision on that day to follow Jesus And because of that, I know that I'm forgiven, that the blood of Jesus Christ has rescued me and that as long as I live on this earth, I've got nothing to fear because Christ lives in me. And one day I'll live with him in heaven. Do you believe this? Do you believe the power of this truth in your life and how it can change everything for you? Will you bow your heads and pray with me? And as we do that today, um, for those of you that are here this morning and maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I wanna give you just an opportunity right now Uh, to invite him in and to rescue you uh, from your past or your present, uh, your pain, uh, from your discouragement, uh, from your sin or from your frustration. Uh, Jesus says, call to me and I will answer you. And I want to give you the opportunity today as I had when I was 12 years old to invite Jesus Christ into your life to be your Savior. And so if that's where you are today and you really believe and feel that God is drawing you to himself, just wherever you are right now, just pray this prayer with me. Uh, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Save me and rescue me. Uh, Raise me from the dead, from my sin, uh, from my doubts, from my discouragement, whatever blank you need to fill in there today. Lord, rescue me. I am yours. I belong to you. God, we thank you for the work that only you can do, the salvation that you bring to us through the power of Jesus Christ. And I thank you for each person in the room right now who prayed that prayer and invited you into their heart and life, Lord, that they will know that truth and it would change them and give them hope as they walk out of these doors in just a little bit that they will be able to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ today. God, I also wanna pray for those here today who are waiting to be renewed in their strength and in their hope right now, Lord. God, would you remove those dead ends? Would you crash through them today so that we can celebrate the truth of Jesus Christ as our resurrection and our savior? God, increase our faith, increase our influence as individuals and as a church right here in this community so that we might share the love of Jesus with others. And we thank you for the gift of the Chosen One. The tomb is empty. We celebrate our Savior, the resurrection and the life today, the one you sent to rescue us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.